I greet you all in the name of Jesus. Um, I greet you in the name of Jesus. I thank God for your life. And I thank God for all that he is um, doing in each one of us in this season. Um, I'm glad that God continues to supply us strength. Um, I wake up to that. Hello? I think this is the sixth day. So this is session 11. So yeah, session 11. Isn't that amazing and powerful? So we thank God for bringing us through 11 sessions again in the space of um, six days, I think. <laughs> I'm grateful to God for all of that and, you know, even much more that he is doing in our lives. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Um, and I welcome you to this morning. And this morning, real quickly, we are going to be um, looking at uh, we're going to be continuing on the possessing your priesthood, uh, but we're going to be taking the story that you find in the book of First Kings, and it's the story of Ahab and Jezebel. Um, we know that Jezebel is uh, is a should I say an archetype for demonic priest priesthood, as it were, and we see how she controlled um rulers as she controlled. Um, kings as she controlled and um, priest in her time you know good morning from Dallas Daniela it's always good to see you here um, so we were talking about we are still on the topic of possessing economic gates which was supposed to be just one of the gates that I thought we we're going to be able to take in this um, in this prayer ring but you know has turned out to be the only gates and I'm fine with that absolutely so we will see what we can finish today maybe we can finish economic gates today and then we can just touch on some other gates um tomorrow morning tomorrow evening just like you know touch on some other gates um so but we're saying that to be able to possess your um to be possess economies and economic gates you have to be able to possess your priesthood um first of all we said there are seven things number one you have to be able to possess the realm of the spirit the second thing is supposed to be ready to possess your priesthood and the list goes on and on and on um you know possess the gates of people possess the gates of the mind um yes many other things but today we are just going to look at um ahab and jezebel and jezebel's kind of priesthood sorry i'm just uh think my notes are one second please just give me a second okay now we know the story of um jezebel and ahab and we know the story it's in uh first kings 21 and it all this particular story all began with i mean ahab had been king and all of that but we see the wickedness of Jezebel um, being established in a season where Ahab wanted a vineyard that belonged to a man called Naboth. And he says to Naboth, give me your vineyard. I want to use it for a garden or for a herb garden or something like that. And I will give you a better vineyard. I want yours because it's just near my house. It's convenient. You know, I'm the king. I should be able to get whatever I want. And has this conversation with Naboth. And Naboth says, I'm sorry, I can't give it to you. You know, this, this is my inheritance from my father. 
and I cannot sell my inheritance, no matter the amount of money you will give me, neither am I going to replace it with something else that it was not convenanted to my father. And, you know, when I thought about overcoming the altars of Baal, and I thought a bit about Ahab, Jezebel, Naboth, and all of that, we broke down, you know, things like Naboth's name, you know, the significance of the vineyard and all of that. And it, it probably is a teaching that we could do another day, you know, or another time. But it is a really, really significant story where you begin to look at why Naboth did not want to um, give up the vineyard. But I want to stay on track this morning so that we can move um, quickly. And so he says, I can't. And so here is this king sulking like a baby and goes back and is refusing to eat and, you know, all of that. And the wife is like, what happened? And when you look at it, typically you will think that, oh, okay, she's been a good wife. She's trying to help her husband solve a problem. But the issue is how she went about solving the problem and how she wielded her authority as the as the wife of the king and here she is she writes letters to the elders and she writes it in the name of Ahab and she seals it with the seal of Ahab and you know these days I'm saying are very very significant because um she says to Ahab don't worry you're going to get the vineyard Ahab didn't ask her how you're going to do it Ahab knew that she was a priestess of Baal Ahab knew what the values of her own kingdom and her own um, worship and our own God is. But Ahab never said, you know, what exactly are you going to do? He's just like, you know, I'm just going to let her do the dirty job. And, you know, this is very critical because when you think about um, many times as a leader, how sometimes some leaders know that, you know, the person working with you is going to employ a crooked method and a method that you most likely wouldn't endorse if you were to go about it yourself. But you allow them because it works, it takes care of the vision, you progress, and you keep your hand clean, as it were. But when um, God sent the prophet Elijah to go speak to Ahab, when Ahab possessed the vineyard because Jezebel had written a false report and said to them, let us accuse him, bring him up to the high places. She actually said, let's take a fast and then bring him up to the high places. You need to understand the significance of that. Jezebel understood that she could not open the gate of accusation until she had first galvanized the inner momentum of the people, the priesthood that they carried, the elders of the land. So she said, take a fast and then bring him up to the high places. So basically she was first going to spiritually accuse him before she was going to physically accuse him. And you need to understand how um, condemnation and cases are raised up against people in the realm of the spirit. Jezebel understood this very, very well. And as a priest, priestess, she knew that Naboth was in his right. It was his father's land. It was his right, even in the realm of the spirit. And she also knew that Naboth was serving um, a God that she wasn't serving. And so she knew she couldn't just come and take the land from him. She couldn't even just come and accuse him so she had to first say hey i'm going to get the elders i'm going to get the ones who have power who have authority who have controlling right over the economy and the state and i'm going to get all of us together and i'm going to say hey you guys take a fast take a fast why did she have to do that why did she have to say fast why did she just say bring him up accuse him and stone him because she understands that you first 
have to win an accusation in the realm of the spirit before you can win it in the physical, especially if it's a false accusation. And so you begin to understand what happened to Job in the life of Job. The Bible says that, you know, and Job found himself, um, sorry, Satan, you know, positioned himself when the sons of God were appearing before Elohim. And while they were having their family meeting, and you may ask yourself, how did Satan appear in the family meeting when the sons of God were showing up before God? After all, he had been cast down from heaven, you know, fell like lightning, woe to the inhabitants of the earth. So how this happened is because man had sold his right to Satan. The Bible says you are a servant to the one that you yield yourself to obey. So they had become servants to sin and to the master of sin. Therefore, and in those days, when you are a slave, everything that you own belongs to your master. So everything that man owned, which was his right to appear before God as a son and as a ruler, um, so when it says Beniel Elohim, that is the sons of God, it wasn't just speaking about sonship by bloodline. It's speaking about those that um, have an inheritance and a right to God. You know, so we're talking about the angels, the cherubims, all the hosts and all the ones we know and the ones we don't know. So um, um, Adam and Eve or mankind, Adam was part of Beniel Elohim, the sons of God, you know, because he was managing the estate of the earth. And so he was part of the people that had to show up for a family meeting um, to deliberate and to speak about the earth that was his territory to govern. But we see that the moment a man fell, he handed over his right to Satan. And because he was a slave, everything he owned, Satan owned. And so Satan could show up in his place because Satan had become the legal guardian of the earth by reason of the fall of man. And so part of the things that Jesus did when Jesus um, died for man was that Jesus took back that right from Satan. He took it, the Bible says he went into hell, um, destroying them in their own domain, making a public show of them so that in every realm it will be known that Lucifer is no longer in charge of the earth. Jesus Christ is. And that's why the Bible says when he ascended on high, he gave gifts unto men. To some he made apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists, you know, um, for to, for the building up of the body of Christ. Now, why did Jesus give you gifts? What he gave to you, your gifts are not just ability to speak, ability to sing. That is not the gift that God Jesus gave to you. Jesus has given you authority over the domain and the territory of the earth. The dominion mandate that man lost when he sold out to Satan, Jesus has reclaimed it and Jesus has given it to you in the form of the gifts that he has given to you. So what was just one line a one linear dominion mandate has been multiplied into different gifts in the body of Christ. That is why it requires the unity of the body for us to arrive at the full image and stature of Christ because it is now split into you, into me, into everyone. So we now manifest dominion mandate in different shapes and form and in our unity, a full image is made of the dominion of Christ on the earth but we are living on reclaimation land Christ has reclaimed the territory of the earth and it now belongs to the sons of God and so Satan um, doesn't have a legal right anymore well for to those who do not know and who have not possessed their possession 
Satan still has a legal right through the um, through the um, channel of deceit. You know, he can still occupy your life if you make room for him. He can still occupy your territory and your economy if you make room for him. But for those who understand, they have to then take what Christ has given and wage war by pushing against the orchestrations of hell and darkness. Now, Satan was able to show up in the courts and to accuse Job. Why? Because um, 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 man had sold out his rights. And so um, he was able to accuse Job and say, hey, you know, and God was like, have you considered myself a Job? He's like, oh, that Job, we know him. So she said, I knew Job. So Satan knows all the people on earth that are making an impact. Satan knows all the people on earth that are keeping to their righteous standards. Satan knows all the people on earth that are struggling and saying, God, I feel yesterday, I will not fall again today. Because he says, have you considered my servant Job? So God knew Job as his servant. And Satan knew Job as the one that God had put a hedge around. You need to understand how this works. So he knew him in the same way. Those of you and those of us, rather, that are servants of God, Satan knows. He knows. But the reason why he had the power to accuse Job was because the rights to the earth had been handed over to him so he could show up in a family meeting, you know, and accuse. But right now, if you are in Christ Jesus, there is therefore now no condemnation because you are in Christ and he cannot show up in Jesus, you know, to accuse you just like that or to speak as the right owner of the earth. You have to have broken the hedge for that to not happen in your life. So um, you then realize that um, in the same way, Jezebel understood that I cannot take Naboth down and I cannot take Naboth's possession. I cannot take Naboth's household until I first raise an accusation for him against him in the realm of the spirit. So she says to them in 1 Kings 21 verse 8, so she wrote letters um, in Ahab's name and sealed them in his seal and said the letters unto the elders and to the nobles who that were in the city dwelling with Naboth. So she sent them to um, Naboth's neighbors, Naboth's friends. Um, she sent them to the rulers over the territory where Naboth was. And so Jezebel understood the spiritual principle and she knew that if I'm going to be able to take his property, I need to raise accusation for him in the area and in the territory where he is. And so you need to understand that that's why I said part of the gates that I will teach you as we span from now to next year is going to be the gate of location. And she sent it to the people who were where Naboth was. And so you have to understand how many times accusation will always spring out of your own household, will always spring out of your location because your location is a sort of um, covering and um, should I say marking of boundary in your life. And so when voices in your location are raised up, they are able to accuse you because it's familiar with you, it's familiar with your life. It's speaking the language of your location, speaking the language of where you are. So Jezebel understood, I don't need the whole of Israel to accuse Naboth. I just need the people who are around him, the people who are close to him, the people who watch him, the people who see him to be able to raise accusation, but not just anybody, the ones who are in leadership around him. And that's why you must pray for your leaders and you must pray for people who have authority, who govern where you are, because there are many things that can befall you if the governors and the rulers and the people of authority in your life are bewitched. 
There are calamities that can come upon you. Naboth was not a horrible man. Naboth was not a bad man. If he was, God would not have fought for him after his death. But the reason why Naboth was killed so violently was because the leaders of his territory were bewitched by Jezebel. And you need to understand what I'm talking about. That's why you cannot be too angry about what your husband has done to you to not pray for him because you're just going to get yourself into more trouble. You cannot be too angry about what your wife is not doing and not pray for her. It's, it's a big issue. You cannot be too angry about your parents and not pray for them. There are people who are positioned in the places of authority over your life. If they become bewitched and drawn away by a Jezebelic spirit to raise accusations against you, because accusations strip you of covering, accusations strip you of protection, it then exposes you to be dragged and to be stoned and sometimes to be killed and taken down. So there are some brokenness and some weakness and some attacks of hell that you are experiencing because the ones who stand as a covering over your life are raising accusations against you. And it's a very spiritual thing. And so that's why you must pray for your pastors. You must pray for your leaders. You must pray for your mentors. You must pray for your husbands. You must pray for your spouses. You must pray for your parents, the people who cover you. Because if they become bewitched by a Jezebelic spirit, it is very possible for them to start raising condemnation. And condemnation from people who have authority within your domain. It's like stripping your clothes off your body and exposing you. So even the things before that were being covered, not because you were perfect, but they were just being covered and you were not, you were having favor and you were, you were not being um, destroyed as it were. But the moment accusation rises from the lips of those who have authority over the domain of your life, it can lead to your destruction. So never be too angry that you don't pray for those who have rule over you because Satan understands all the hierarchies of um, or, or, or hierarchies of covering and hierarchies of accusation in the spirit realm. So if he cannot accuse you directly, he's going to get the people to accuse you. If he cannot get your pairs, he's going to get your seniors. You understand what I'm talking about? So you have to guard every area and every territory of your life. The reason why some people today, everywhere they go, they cannot get a job. People don't like them is because their father has probably spoken something over their life and has said concerning this one, you, you treated me like this. You disgraced me. You mocked me. You, you insulted me. Look whether in this life, any good will come on you. Everywhere you go, the way you insulted me, that's how people will insult you. And in your youth and your young age, you say, but please, nothing is going to happen. And then you even got born again and you enter pentirascalism, which is if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are born again. If you are in Christ, Christ will give you wisdom to know that you should go back and apologize on your knees with a gift, begging for forgiveness. Do you understand? So many times deliverance is not like magic trick. Oh, Christ has just delivered it. Boom, it has broken. It's a lie. It's a lie. In deliverance, you receive wisdom and understanding of how accusation and slavery works. And then God begins to teach you the principles of life. And within the understanding of those principles, you are now able to know what to do and how to deliver yourself. Do you understand? And so you then take the gift and you go and say, Daddy, we are woo. Eva, you kneel down. I beg my papa. I know me now. I be stupid person. 
and you ask for forgiveness. And then they pray for you and pronounce a blessing over you. I believe I'm talking to somebody to liberate you today. And they pronounce a blessing over you. Why? Because accusations make you naked in the realm of the spirit. You need to get what I'm saying. It's different if it is people that don't have any right over you or anything. They talk, you pray. But even that also, because remember, human beings are powerful gods and where the word of a king is there is power so when humans are releasing words they are stirring up life you know it's like they're trying to create a new life for you so that you are being pulled into the whirlpool of the accusation and the realm that they are pulling you into so this is why you pray prayers like, Lord, deliver me from the strife of tongues. Lord, deliver me from the accusations of men. Lord, break, oh God, that which they are raising against me in the realm of the spirit. So you, you may not even hear it directly. You may not even know it directly. You understand, but you feel the effect on it. You begin to feel stifled. You begin to, you're like, what's going on? And God shows you. So when you are being promoted in life, pray for those who have rule over you. Because you see, promotion exposes the insecurities and vulnerabilities in people. So the people that should be blessing you and saying, they go, we are behind you, can potentially be the people that are saying, you think you'll go, this won't go anywhere. Does he think this is how people grow in life? Let's be watching them. You have to be careful. So pray. Don't even sit down and analyze on the on the level of broken humanity. Broken humanity will say, eh, that's jealousy now. Huh? Now why in this life? Just leave jealous people. No, no, no. That's It's okay. No, I, I know. It's not like I don't know. But knowing is not the solution to the problem. Knowing does not change the fact that they are amousing a wind against you in the realm of the spirit. So you have to pray for them and you have to pray against them. And you have to pray against these accusations. Do you understand what I'm talking about? And in a place where you have given a legal ground for you to be legally, rightfully accused, and you have wisdom, you will know that you have to go and make it right. If not, you're just going to lengthen your life. Journey that should take you maybe five years will not be taking you 15, 50 years. There's no need for that. Okay? So here is Jezebel are maximizing spiritual wisdom to take down Naboth. So what was she going for? The land. What was she going for? The territory. What was she going for? The economia. She was going for Naboth's house. That was what she was shooting for. Do you understand? But where did she start from? She started from accusation. She started from, oh yeah, let the elders gather. She said, let them even fast. You need to get it. Because she knew that she needed to activate their spiritual authority the others may not even know it but she told them everybody fast have you seen when you tell governors to fast you tell commissioners fast why because we want to take down this woman we want to remove the head of this bank we want to take down this person that is the head of this non-profit we want to remove this person for position and then you tell the leaders in the company to fast first have you heard that kind of thing before that is whoever is doing that is a person that understands how the spirit realm works and what was she doing as they were fasting? Of course, I'm sure she went to, she was fasting also and joined them in the spirit realm. And then what was her commission to them? You know, the Bible says she wrote letters in the name and in the seal of Ahab. I, I, this was not 
I don't want to stay on this story, but let me just, I feel like God is using it to talk to somebody. She wrote letters in the name and in the seal of Ahab. And you need to understand the name of Ahab speaks about the intentions of Ahab, the power of Ahab, take it down a little, the territory of Ahab, the capacity of Ahab as the king, and also put his seal, which speaks about his authority and the finality of his will. So she put that in his name. And so once again, that's why I say pray for people in leadership, because the thing that she was asking them to do, they prop the elders probably knew that I, I, this thing no right now. They probably knew, but because it came in the name and in the seal of the king, they could not reject it. You, are, you have to understand what it looks like today. Today, the name and the seal of the king may look like, number one, the king who is God. So even ministers and pastors and people in ministry and spiritual leaders that carry authority and the, the, the right to rule within the territory of religion, um, sometimes they can bring some edicts in the name and in the seal of the king. And it has the capacity to make people bend in a direction that they were not supposed to go. So that's why you must pray. And sometimes you may not even know it. Do you understand? So that's why you must pray for your leaders and pray for their ability to be covered and to not be bewitched. Because imagine Jezebel, you know, or one of them becoming like a Jezebel. Imagine the effect is going to have on the people. Also, it can be the name or the seal of your CEO. You know, so a, a crazy HR manager can come in the name and in the seal of the MD, in the name and the seal of the CEO, because they have something against you. They use the authority that they have gotten from someone that is more superior. It can come in the name or the seal of the president. It can come in the name or the seal of the governor. And once it is in the name and in the seal, in those days, you could never take back the word of the king. What the king could then do, like in the case of Esther, was to say, now write another edict. So he had sent one out that said, let all the Jews be killed on this particular day. So by the time he realized what Haman had done, because Haman also did that in the name and in the seal of the king. So it could not be taken back. So how? what was the superior wisdom of the kingdom by which they overcame that accusation that Haman had done was that he had to write a new edict to now say, okay, you people take my seal now. And what was not what they did? They now said, now the children of Israel can also take up arms and fight when that day comes. Because they couldn't change the fight that was coming, but they could now empower them to fight. Now imagine, even if, yes, we know that the children of Israel won, but think about it. Some still died. Some people still lost their fathers. Some people still lost their mothers. Some people still lost their children on that day. Wouldn't it have been better if that war never happened? So sometimes it's not about victory. It's about the losses that follows, even though you were victorious. Were those losses needed? It could have been avoided if an Ahaman had been taken down. If, you know, the king did not fall for the bewitching of Haman. It could have been avoided altogether. So even though we see a testimony, there were still losses. And it's the same thing for a lot of people. You know, there are sometimes you're like, ah, thank God, hmm, if it's what God did to me. Just when I thought that this one, this one, hey, God still helped me. Thank God, oh, I'm still a minister today. Everything I went through, could it have been avoided? Because between you and me, you know there are still losses. You know there are still some 
areas of brokenness you can never redeem again. There are some things your eye has seen. In Nigeria, we call it your eye see shege. And now there are different kinds of shege. There's the ordinary shege and there is premium shege. Premium shege is the type that even your physical eye will become red when they dealt with you. So even though at the end of the day, God delivered you and you became victorious, but the losses are there. There's an injury to your soul. There's an injury to your spirit. There's an injury to your mind. There's an injury to your innocence. So it was not needed. So do not be a person that only sits down and you're acting post the thing and speaking about the thing. I knew it. I knew when he changed. I could see when she changed. I'm telling you something is off. Can you pray for the person? Pray for the leader because you may think I've escaped, but there's no way you escaped without losses. There's no way the kingdom escaped without losses. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's no way they escape without losses. The ones that gathered and accused Naboth, do you think that they were scot free? Do you think God did not deal with them and deal with their children? Do you think the spirit of accusation was not opened over their generation because they could not resist Jezebel? They also opened gates of accusation over their lineage. You need to understand how it works. So nobody really, really goes without damage. That's why we must pray for people in authority and people in power and people that have rule over. You don't even need to agree that they have rule over you. If they do, they do. You get what I'm saying? If, they, if you like, still be there saying, no, I'm, 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 I'm my own boss. Between me and you, you know you're not really your own boss. So pray for them. So um, it says, and she put it in the seal of the king and sent letters to the elders and to the nobles that were in his city dwelling with Naboth. And she wrote in the letter saying, proclaim a fast and set Naboth on high among the people. Um, among the people and set two men, sons of, Be sons of Belial. We can go into sons of Belial another time. Um, before to bear witness against him saying, thou this blaspheme against God and against the king. So it was a two-pronged accusation saying, you know, you have, God has a problem with you because you have spiritually violated something. And also the physical ruler has a problem with you. When it sets you up against God and sets you up against the king, you are finished. You remember what they said to Nehemiah when Nehemiah was building the wall and they said to Nehemiah, this wall you are building, who gave you the right? Does the king know about what you are doing? You need to get what I'm talking about. I said, does the king know what you are doing? So sometimes um, what, what the enemy does is that he would set you in a position or accuse you because the king is the superior order or authority here on earth. So there are some kings in your life. Your father is a king over your life, whether or not you like it. Your boss, your pastor, all of these people, and I'm not saying they are your king like that. I mean in terms of authority, in terms of they have rights. So do not ever let yourself be set up against the people who have rule over you, who under their economy, you found your own economy and you have thrived. Don't ever let the enemy set you up against them. And in a case where it has happened, do everything in your power to make peace. Because you see, you don't need that in the realm of the spirit. You don't, you don't need it as another thing limiting you in the spirit realm. Um, 
So the men of the city, even the elders and the nobles who were in the inhabitants in the city, did as Jezebel has sent the, unto them, and as it was written in the letters which she had sent unto them. It was written in the letters. So for another day, they proclaimed the fact and said Nabat on high among the people, blah, 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 blah. A lot of things go on there. Please make sure you read First Kings, I think, from like 19 and go all the way down. There's so much in there about Ahab, his victories, prophecies, Jezebel and, and Elijah and all of that. But the key today is how connecting the story of Ahab, of Jezebel, um, excuse me, um, and, and bow to the economy of a nation. So during the reign of Ahab and Jezebel in Israel, the economy was affected in several ways. So primarily due to their ungodly practices and their promotion of idolatry. So there are some factors that impacted the economy during the reign of Ahab. So when you go, you look at number one, one of the factors that affected the economy of, um, of the land during the reign of Ahab is the worship of Baal, you know, Baal idolatry and Baal worship and idolatry. Thank you, Amaka. Yes, exactly. That, that scripture, I say pray for those in authority over you that you may live a quiet and peaceable life on all um, godliness and reverence. You know, it says, there's another scripture that says pray for those who are in authority, you know, and pray for the city because when it prospers, you will prosper. So many times as Christians, we just feel like, you know, ah, me, I'm just, you know, isolated from my nation, from my, from the leaders, from the deeds, you know, it, it's, it's spiritual foolishness and arrogance that is founded on nothing, you know, so let's be wise consistently. Let's consistently be wise. Um. So, um, and, you know, I'm just going to put it, right there seeing that we are here you know there are some of you on this call you buy shoes that costs two thousand dollars which in nigeria is now two million naira you buy handbags that cost five thousand dollars which in nigeria is now five million naira let's put it into perspective um you put your children in schools that cost ten thousand dollars a term, you, you $5,000, you pay house rent that costs $8,000. You may say, Pierre, where are you going with all of this? So you are doing all of these big, big expenses. And then every month you send your mother 20,000 naira. Now let's just think about it. Even God will not take that from you. He's a master of profits. After investing in your life and investing in your salvation, you will now come and be giving God, uh, God, I just want to bless you today. Thank you so much. Protect me. You're kidding me? Who do you think he is to you? That's why he requires all of you and all your life because the investment is so great. Now your parents have invested in you. Let's even consider what it took for you to enter this world, first of all. The investments your mother made in carrying you, in nurturing you, and pushing you. And then the days you were sick, the days you cried, the day somebody bullied you, they went to fight for you. The day they laughed at your shoe, she gathered all her money and bought you new shoe. 
the day that as you were growing up, ah, my daughter, you need to start wearing gold. Oh. You need to start wearing jewelry. They took their own, melted it, and crafted something for you. They've made sacrifices. For those of you that you're growing up in your house, you were like seven children, five children. Do you know what it takes? And then now you have arrived at a little amount of money and you tell your parents, understand now, I don't have anything. You know me, I'm not doing anything. Go and do something. You must do something and take care of them. You can't, you can't, there are no excuses because you see in the spirit realm, it is exposing you. You are showing that you are a person that does not understand balance. You are showing you are a person that cannot be trusted with any economy because according to economics, if a certain amount is invested, a certain kind of profit should come out of your life. So why is there no profiting in your home? Why are you the kind of person because we're talking about spiritual principles today. Why are you the kind of person that you have forgotten the good that has been done for you? Is it possible that even your head, Satan is, you know, is manipulating you so that he can raise a case against you? So the Bible says, honor your father and your mother so that your days may be long on earth. Part of the things that cuts the life cycle of young people is their inability to honor their parents. I'm telling you the truth. It cuts their, their time. You may say, but Pia is accident. But Pia is suicide. Or die, not die. Not die, the person still die. So you have to go back sometimes and ask yourself, am I honoring my parents? So an honor is not you that decides what honor looks like. Do you understand? Uh, listen, it doesn't matter whether you, you had the right relationship with your father. That's not the point. Oh. But is he still your father? Do you have another father? Do you get what I'm saying? If even if you remove yourself and go and another person adopt you and you change you change your name, you change your country, did another person give birth to you? It's that same person that gave birth to you. Do you get what I'm saying? You can't change it. Your nose is the way it is because of who impregnated your mother. You can't change it. So you honor the principles, not the behavior of the people that are involved. It's the principle. So you may say to yourself, you know, um, the last time that I climbed this building, the step was bad. And so I fell. From that time, I'm not respecting gravity again. What in concern gravity, concern the step? They should have repaired their step. So if you say from now, you're not respecting, go and go now and see whether gravity will not pull you down again. So it's, it's the principle. It's not the person. You get what I'm saying? It's the same way that I say to you, don't fight somebody, fight the spirit behind. So because the, the devil understands how fragile we are and how much we are so emotional, he uses emotion to cloud our eyes from principles. Because when emotion comes in, you forget principles. You think only about how you feel and how you were treated and you forget principles. So remember the principle. Now, also, you do, uh, one of my parents, my father was a witch. What if my people were not this? What if they did not behave themselves? My mother was in this one. Uh, listen to me. I've taught you people this thing several times. Moses was on the mountain with who? He was on the mountain with God. Part of the Ten Commandments that God gave Moses was what? Do not make any graven image to represent me or anything like that. God was stating it as he was right, as Moses was right, God was writing it with his own hand. Let me ask you a question. What were they doing down 
downstairs, down the mountain, they were making a graven image. But God was writing it. Who was making the graven image? Uh, Uncle Aaron and the elders and the people of the land, the uncles and aunties and daddies and mommies. But as God wrote that one, he now still wrote, tell the children, honor your father, your mother, so that your days may be long on earth. Now, honor which father and which mother? The one that you just said are making graven images. <clears throat> so God was basically saying, listen, yes, this father and mother I'm telling you to honor, these people are behaving like ragamuffins. I brought them out of Egypt by my mighty hand, signs and wonders. Do you understand? Um, the person does not appreciate it. If you what it doesn't, the person does not need to appreciate it. That's not the point. Remember, go back to the principle. You know, so this same father and mother that were making graven images, God said, honor them so that your days may be long on earth. So how can you trade so terribly? So you trade for the comfort and the soothing of your heart in the form of revenge and separation, but you are trading your long life instead. That, that, that's, not a, that's not a wise trade. So there are some things in life you do, not because the other person is in the right, but because you understand. You understand it. Do you get what I'm talking about? So, um... In marriage also, you may say, oh, can you imagine this my uh, my uncle or my husband? Look at what he did to me. This my husband um, cheated on me, blah, 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 blah. And then from that day, you when you want to serve food, you will carry it from, you fling it across the table. Whatever remains, by the time the food hits the wall, you should eat it like a dog. You wake up in the morning, you jump up from your bed, and when they are talking to you, you don't answer. Why? Because you are angry, your emotions. You have to feel what I feel. Listen to me. Unless you are not in that marriage again, you have to understand what I'm talking about. Unless you are not in that marriage again, you have a spiritual responsibility to honor even when you are bleeding to show up in the level of spiritual principles, even when your heart is carrying a weight. Look at God, for example. By reason of being Elohim, by reason of being the maker of the heavens and the earth, as a creator, he has a responsibility to cause rain to fall. He has a responsibility to maintain the cycles and the order of the earth. As a creator, the moment he violates it, people like Lucifer can begin to raise accusation against him. So what does God do? God causes it to rain upon the good and the evil. So the ones that are staring up, in fact, it's so bad that some people worship rain God, worship sun God. God has not said, eh, my creation sun, blot out the sun, blot out the moon, blot out the rain. No, he hasn't done it. He keeps it. Why? Because his responsibility as creator is superior to these other low-level derailments that man is getting into. So as a creator, he cannot but supply rain. He cannot but give the sun. He cannot but give harvest time. Even in the land of idolaters, they have harvest seed and harvest. Why does God do that? Because it's his responsibility. It's a principle of a God. Who creates. So in the same way, a man cannot be so angry 
oh, uh, I found out my wife cheated or my wife did this. So you will not bring money for food again for the house. You will not take care of your children again. Are you kidding me? As a head, you have basic responsibilities you must meet. If not, by violating them, you are exposing yourself in the spirit realm. Then tomorrow your business fails. Tomorrow they fire you from work. Everything, you lose it. And then you're not like, this woman is a witch. She's not a witch. It was your response to her brokenness that provoked your own destruction. So it is not about the people's brokenness. It is how you respond to it. Making sure that in your response, you are not violating principles that can expose you to attack in the realm of the spirit. So there are times when I have felt like, oh my God, I'm in the right. Look at what my husband has done. And I want to react. And the Holy Spirit will tell me through the spirit of wisdom. You see, you cannot react in this way. You must understand that it is necessary for you to have a certain measure of protection in the spirit for you to be able to execute your office. So we are constrained by wisdom. We are constrained by the principles we cannot change. A wise man knows what's in his power to change and what is not. If you talk to politicians, they understand it. They, you don't have to like the person, but you go and send them gifts. Why? Because you know, Senna, this one holds power. It's just how it is. You don't have to fully agree. We are, this generation of my right, my right, my truth is what is killing us. Okay, after you have said your rights, after you have proved your proving, what benefits do you have? You are there begging for quick 2K on Instagram, but you are right. You are right, right? Okay, what's the profiting of your right? Do you get what I'm talking about? What's the profiting of your right? And is it even right, really, scripturally? The methods by which you are pushing forth the so-called right you say you have are those methods backed by the kingdom. You have to understand the power of principles. Very, very, very important very important, you know. So um, I, I just thought to put it there. So please don't be a don't be a bad child. You know, for some of you, let's even leave. Okay, physical parents are great. What about your spiritual parents? The people that have invested in your life, poured into you. You have money today. Your pastor is still entering boss. Can we go there? You are wealthy today. You're the people that are pouring and praying for you, teaching you wisdom. If you will pay, you will pay thousands of dollars to go and learn in Harvard what some of your ministers are teaching you. The wisdom they are giving you, the understanding, the way they are telling you truth that help you navigate life effectively. You will go and pay another person $2,000 to have one hour session with them. Now that you are wealthy, do you remember those? What did the apostle says? He says, if I have poured into you spiritual things, do I not have the right to reap from your life material things? These are spiritual principles. So there are some rich men I know. Let me tell you, they don't joke. Why you are there saying, mm, all these pastors, <laughs> they are carrying their $1 million I'm going to give because they understand how it works. Some of them made a vow to God and told God, if you will bless me, this person will never cry. This person's children will never lack good education. Whatever I do for my own, I will do for them. There are some people like that. So you are spending your time trying to defend the thing when no concern you. 
Hey, my father is a kind of man. I just think he needs to change. He needs to change. Can you change him? One of my friends was telling me about how his mother died. And um, his dad, like I think some years later, was now going to marry his mother's best friend. You know, ah, all of them in the house. Never. Hey, mommy will be turning in her grave. Mommy that is eating cucumber with Jesus. Uh, in fact, I called it like a cucumber. Cucumber. You know, mommy that is chewing, chewing gum, you know, in the high places of the heavens. Mommy will be turning in her grave. This one, this one. All of them said never. So he mustard, mustard himself. I said, I'm going to be the one to speak to daddy. He went spoke to his father at this point his father was 60 something almost 70 daddy um I, I just feel like you know i'm expressing on behalf of all the children um i just feel like this is not something that blah, 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 blah. he said he talked he said that day he was surprised his father just kept quiet he spoke and spoke and spoke and the father everything he said the man was like mm -hmm. okay all right noted all right okay thank you all right noted oh, wow wow after i finished speaking the father said to him, I called his name. Let me say the name is Kachi. Kachi, how old are you? At that point, I think he was like 22. He said, I'm 22. He said, okay. How old am I? He said, that you're 67. So okay. Um, he said, when you see a 67-year-old man, take his head and choke it inside a hole in the ground. He said, as your 22-year-old self, you should know that it's not your responsibility to tell the man, this is a hole in the ground, don't put your head there. He said, at 67, he knows a hole very well. He said, you will leave the man because at this stage, he knows exactly what he's doing and the possible consequences of his action. He said, so I appreciate all your feelings. And all these things you are telling me, how your mother, who, where you do, are you the one that introduced me to your mother or I introduce you to your mother? Which one of the two? He said, you think I don't know all these things you are saying to me? He said, so please know your place next time. He said, that was how the conversation ended. Do you know when he told me the story? I have He told me the story like 20 years ago. I've never forgotten it. Because he marked my, my head. I said, Jesus Christ. And it's what the what it marked me was. It is not your place to try to correct, adjust, and amend certain people. You should know your boundaries, and you should know what you can or you cannot do, and the things that are in the hand of God. So, for that sixty-seven year old man, who can tell him not to? The Lord. Do you understand? What I'm saying it's the Lord. Do you think he does not know the consequences? Do you think he does not know what people will say? But he has made up his mind. What didn't concern you. So in the same way, sometimes people are like, you know, um, but but uh, be there. Another wise child, you may call the child manipulative and foolish. We look at it and say, oh, daddy, I'm so happy for you. You finally found happiness. The child may not be happy, but he understands, say, give it another 15 years. Daddy don't buy. Do you understand? Inheritance has to be left. You understand? And it's how he's feeling. That's how he will leave it. Do you get? So you have to understand how to walk in wisdom. They rose up and said, Moses, hey, how could you marry a woman for this? <laughs> Who paid the price? 
The people that they put in front, go and talk. It was them that paid the price. Does Moses not know good from bad? Does God not know what Moses is doing? How is it your place to now raise a revolution against Moses? Many of us expose ourselves unnecessarily because something has told us in this generation that power is in the amount of words you speak. No, it is not. It is in the manner and in the weight and in the quality of your counsel. So prune, 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 we expose ourselves by the things we say. We expose our thoughtlessness, our weakness, our insecurity, our incapacity to reason on the level of wisdom. Go back and take care of the people that labored into your life. The people that raised you. Did you see the honor that Jesus gave to Mary till the day he died? Jesus could have said, what are you talking about? I'm the master of the universe. Mary, let me give you life. You want to talk about carrying me in, my, in your womb. I carried you in the womb of eternity. Without me, there'll be nobody like you, Mary. Now keep quiet and sit down there. Behave yourself, woman. Never. Did you see the honor that Jesus consistently, up to when he was dying, John, behold your mother, mother, behold your son. When he was going to release the Holy Ghost, the wealth that he had from heaven, who was there in the upper room with them? Mary, his mother. You have to understand what I'm saying. So please, do not let a day go by that your mother will be looking for 2,000 naira in this Nigeria. Your father will be there struggling to buy credits. Ah, may God not punish you. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Not in their old age would they be managing food. They should be able to wake up and say, this morning, catfish stew. This afternoon, we just want bolognese that we will never eat. Trade it, we trash it. This night, we're going to do paradiam and make sure there's good. Don't even ask them how they are spending the money. They have passed that age. Check out what I'm talking about. They've passed that age. Sometimes I look at my husband. I know my husband does not know what to do again for his parents. He just does anything he feels like doing. Anything he feels, just for them to just do like this. He'll just do anything. And guess what? Do it. Let him do it. Because it's part of the reasons why he's blessed. And part of the reasons why they've blessed him. How can people who did everything to send him to school, and you also don't be a foolish wife, now come there and be saying, hey, but um, um, sweetheart, I just feel like, no. Leave the man to do his responsibility. I'm very serious, guys. Because mm -hmm. you will not even understand why you are being blessed. Mm -hmm. Have you seen that Abigail in the Bible? The Bible says mm -hmm. that the name of her husband was Nabal. Literally means foolish. Mm -hmm. But what did Abigail do? She was used to it. He does it ever so often. Because the helps came and said, Madam, Oga, don't start again. Do you understand? Please. And she said, oh yeah, what do we do? Oh yeah, gather food. Gather this. She didn't go to Nabal and say, you idiot man, foolish man, and my man that is like pines. Look at him. I beg, auntie. Abigail just covered and she made up for him. And she gathered things and went to meet David. And knelt down, please, please. That's how my husband is. But forget it. What was it you wanted? Take now. 
if it's some other people, they would have gone, anyway, hey, David, you're going to strike deal with him. Um, So, you know, because I'm, I'm even sick of the man, actually. So um, you can come kill him at about 12 p.m. while I'm away at the market and uh, I'm going to open the back door for you. Okay. David would have looked at her. I said, this one, now wish. If he killed him, man, he go kill her joy. This kind of person no good for the earth. Do you understand what I'm talking about? But her actions, and then she said to David, ah, please, you have you already, we all know you are going to be king and great man. Don't let this thing spoil your, ha, ha. He did not man, that man no reach for you. David looked at the woman and said, ah, see wife, see woman. How is it that is this fool that has this woman? So the moment he heard that Nabal had died, he did not just come for his property, he came for the wife. He said, this is the kind of woman that should sit with me. Who did uh, uh, Abigail eventually give birth to? Was it not uh, Solo? Abby? No, it wasn't Solomon. She became one of the wives and one of the council people that David was always listening to. You need to understand the importance of principles. She understood the principle. So whether she liked it or not, she was married to him. Do you get what I'm talking about? She was married to him. So who eventually fought for her? God. God. But guess what? Now, uh, he maybe would not have died if he did not trans trans trespass or transgress against a man like David. He probably would not have died. So there are some people there that are praying now, hey, my neighbor will die. He will not die. They used to live to 105 years old. They don't, they do, they do not die. So just learn the principles. You understand what I'm talking about? All right. So I had to digress very quickly for the restoration of somebody. Um, so somebody said, what if um the parent has died or the person has died? Pray to God. You understand? Talk to God. Ask him for forgiveness. Repent, renounce, you know, and do all the things that you have to do to God. Don't go to any grave. Don't go and do, is it necromancy? What they call it? Please don't do that one. I'm not asking to go to grave. The person that has died is not in the grave. The person is in heaven or in hell. Um, however, remember things that people like David did. He says, is there anyone in the house of um, Jonathan that I may do good for them? Because I made a covenant with his father. And then he went and took Mephibosheth. So you may say, oh, but he has died. But what? who are the people connected to him? What are the things that he would have wanted? You understand? There's always a way to reward a person. There's always a way to honor a person. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Aha. Uh -huh. So please, I, I just feel the need because there's a lot of selfishness and self-centeredness in our generation, you know, and the Bible says it's part of the signs of the end time. It says, uh, pray for forgiveness now. If they have died and you decided to pray for forgiveness, but if the person is alive, go and honor the person. Go and re-honor the person. Do you understand? You understand what I'm saying? For some people, it may not even be your parents. I don't know about praying over your father's grave. I, I don't believe in that. I, I don't see it in scripture, so I'm not going to tell you to do that. Um, so uh, for some people, it may not even be your father, your, your physical father or your spiritual parents that invested in you. It could even be somebody, a helper, that helped you at a time in your journey. Do you understand? At the point where you thought, I'm finished, I have no way forward. And the person poured into you and strengthened you and enabled you and empowered you. 
And then when your legs strong, you're like, you now began to pick faults in the things you could tolerate before when you were in, in brokenness. Don't do things like that. As much as it's in your power. There are some people today that, look, there's nothing they can do to me. I'm not joking, no. There's nothing they can do to me. All to them and their generation, I will forever do anything in my power to support and strengthen them. So there are people like that. Look at Pastor Toki Shako, for example. If you ask me for today to tomorrow to explain my relationship to him, there's no way I can pass to explain it. Because there are some relationships that transcend explanation. He's my brother. At the time when I thought, ah, ministry, I cannot do it again. I'm finished. You know, when nobody wanted to associate their name with my name. After 2015, the girl that left, the girl that does not know what she's doing. He would gladly do meetings. He would do meetings in my parlor, do meetings in my kitchen, if that's where I call it. He would go anywhere with me. Or is it people like Pastor Chris Delvan? There's any, anything they ask of me in this life, as long as it's in my power, I will do it. I'm telling you the truth. And so there are some people you should say, they don't need to do anything else again for you. They have done what is needed. They don't need, I don't need any extra thing. For me to now say, okay, some people should pass judgment in your eye. Why? Because of what they did for you in significant points in your life. I'm saying this thing because when you see certain people prosper, you say, ah, what is it about them? You will never know what it is about them. Because the thing that is enabling their prosperity is not seen by the eyes. It's underneath. Their principles, the values that they hold on to. There's nothing. You can, there's no word. Do you understand what I'm saying? So people look at, for example, like Apostle Tommy, there's nothing I ask him for that he does not do for me. As far as he can do it, he will do it. Why? He will always say it. Oh, I honor this woman. At a time when nobody knew me in Nigeria, she brought me to Nigeria. But apart from that, I have called, she has coordinated a friendship. Everything she could, she has poured, you know, to me. And my ministry, the trajectory of my ministry and my life shifted from the moment she did that. So I will forever honor her. Listen, he doesn't need to. He doesn't have to. He's who he is. He doesn't have to say those things or do those things. But there are principles. Please, I beg you. There are some people I told. Look, I will. And people, and somebody, ah, but Pierre, can you, I, you think I'm blind? But I can see more than this thing that you are saying. And I, I, know, I know where the gates of honor dwell. And I know the power of the gates of honor. Let us go back to that. And I've taught you what honor means. The word for honor is the Hebrew word kabod. And I taught you that kabod is, um, it means the glory of God, the weight of God. But also I've taught you the original, uh, where kabod, the origin of kabod. And how in those days, those scales they used to use, Triangle at the bottom are like this, and then they put two scales. The cardboard is the known weight. So the, the cardboard is gold, silver, or bronze. So those were the things that they used to measure value. Do you understand? They measured value with gold, silver, or bronze. So when they wanted to now know the value of a thing, you measure it against the value of cardboard, of gold. So if they wanted to know the value of this pen, they will put gold in one side of the scale. So we know that this gold 
has the honor of XYZ unit. So you put the pen. So if the pen goes down and the gold go up, you're like, ah, this pen is weightier for it to outweigh gold. Ah, ah, that means this pen is maybe two times the value of this gold. That was how they measured the value of the pen. So when God said, honor your father and your mother, he says, know the cupboard of your father and your mother. Know their weight. When you put them on the scale of life, for you to measure who you are and your future, you have to you measure it against your parents and their weight. So there are many people in this life that say things like, I'm depressed, I'm nothing. I'm like, uh-uh. The reason why you believe you are nothing is because you are judging yourself by yourself, by your weight. Judge your weight by the weight of your father, your mother, your spiritual parents, those that have labored into you, poured into you. The cupboard tells you what your weight is. So if you don't know what has been handed down to you, you will always believe you measure less. Because you are measuring yourself based on your small label, forgetting that you have the blessing of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob inside of you. So if you forget that God made a covenant with Abraham, Jacob, you will labor in your own strength. If you forget that God made a promise to Isaac, Jacob, you will manipulate in your own power. But the day you recognize that you are the carrier of multiple generational labor, covenants, and promises, then you will know who you are. It says, honor them. So that your days may be long on earth. So that your days may be long on earth. That means the longevity of a person's life can never be based on the activities of your life alone. So you, you are extended on earth when you recognize what has been extended before your arrival. It gives you length. It gives you strength. That's why things like community is important. That's why things like communication and communicating with the people who give you value and tell you your cupboard is important. Because as you sit on those calls, those moments, those outings, you're doing all those things, it is reminding you of who you are. So you cut off people who are your cupboard. You are cutting off the measurement of your value and you will end up in depression. The feeling of emptiness. Please, is somebody with me this morning? So do not let yourself be cut short. Just honor what needs to be honored. Just recognize, see the value. See the value. It could be a boss that puts you on the trajectory. And today now you have, you have open company that is fighting the person. Kill on share. Kill, what are you looking for really in life? Know the weight. Know the weight. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Very, very important. Struggle. Do anything in your power. Just try. But don't, be, don't try to be wiser than the wisdom of God. You will end up in destruction. You get what I'm saying? Mm. Praise God. And may God help you. May God help you. Um, so real quickly. Um, so this whole story, I don't even know how we entered here, but to God be all the glory. Um, of, because we're talking about economy and I can just tell you that part of that is part of the defense of your economy. You understand? Part of the things that keep the walls of your economy is, is knowing, understanding the principle of honor and the, the, the gate of honor and the code of honor. I could teach on honor an entirely different days, your day, you understand? You know, because if you don't understand honor with parents, you cannot understand honor with God because God is a father. 
And once you can understand the honor that the Father gives you, you cannot understand God the Father's honor that he places upon you. He says, rise and shine for the uh, for, for your light is come and the cupboard of God is risen upon you. You understand? So there is a time where the cupboard, have you seen some people when you, when they are children and then one day you look at the person and you're like, huh, you have become like your father's son. There's a day where the cupboard of the father rises upon the son. And you look at the person and like, this person has carried their father's mantle. Even spiritually, there's some people that, you know, are working with a pastor. And one day you just look at them and like, this person has really caught it. And it's like, there's a transference of the mantle. Why did the other people say to Elisha, ah, do you know your master is going to be taken today? Your master is going to be, they knew they could prophesy, but they did not have kabod. They did not have respect for kabod. So Elijah that looked like the newbie chasing after Elijah, Elisha that looked like just after Elijah was the only one that knew the weight of what Elijah was carrying. So he said to the other ones, now you now know, some of them are like, please, we don't like following him to all these things. I'd rather just come and be trained, but to work directly with him, like I can't, it's like really hard. You know, Elijah has anger issues. Like I've seen him before, like, you know, all kinds of things. Like I just can't, you know, but I, yeah, he's a prophet. I can let him train me, but like a direct relationship, I can't. Don't worry. You will receive indirect mantle too. Indirect mantle. But the one that knew that Elijah, if you like, be burning down cities, if you like, be causing droughts by yourself, because it was Elijah that woke up. The Bible says Elijah was a man of like passion. That means he used to feel things like me and you. And he woke up one day and he prayed that there should be no rain. He never said God commanded him. He woke up and looked at Jezebel, Ahab, all the bad behavior. And he went into prayer and said, God, close the heavens. Why did he have to say he was a man of like passion? To tell you that there was something that stirred up his decision to, to cause famine. You get what I'm talking about? So Elijah was a funny character. And I can't wait to meet him. Even when I meet him, I'll, I'll stand like this. Hello, sir. Because he can just say, I heard you preach on access that a fire. I'll say, uncle, please don't be so upset. We are in heaven. Can we put it behind us, the things of the art? You understand? So uh, he was a funny guy. You know, you do anyhow, you see anyhow was his own, uh, was his motto. Nonetheless, Elisha understood the mission. And he's like, you all of you are here talking about his living, his no. So what are you? Ah, Elisha said, till you die, Elijah, literally, till you go, <laughs> I'll be looking like this, keep my eye on you because something must drop. He understood it. So his own ministry extended further than the ministry of the other guys because he understood weight and how to open the gate of, for the transference of weight and honor. There are some people that their fathers were so honorable, but they don't have one cobble honor in this life. Don't you know that it's, it, it doesn't sit well? Why? That means you didn't catch something from your dad. You didn't catch it. How can your father carry such honor Live such a powerful life and you don't have a single drop. That means you didn't catch it. You don't understand. You still, you never understood why he sat up late to 3 a.m. walking. You didn't catch it. You enjoyed the benefits of his honor, but you never found the root of the honor. That's why you don't have it. So Elijah said to Elisha, if you can see me leave, he was telling him the root of his mantle. The realm that I'll be taking into is where my mantle came from. 
So if you can see me enter that realm, then you can get what you are asking for. So it wasn't the stick that fell that made Elisha powerful. It was what Elisha observed about the place where it all comes from. He entered somewhere before his time and he caught it. So many of you can work with a powerful minister and you yourself, you'll just be like, Pap Akamu. I don't know how to describe it to the foreigners. Akamu is a substance that has been responsible for raising a lot of people in life. But you either like it or you hate it. People like me, I don't like Akamu because I just feel it's bland. I can't understand it. But there are some people that we carry Akamu from Nigeria to America because it has become part of their life and living. You understand? So, but Akamu has a long history. It's connected to nations and territories. You understand? Akamu has honor through generations. <laughs> so my son was fed Akamu and he became a fat and healthy child. You know, so you can just, some people are just like, pap, that you know, you, you, you are working with a powerful person, but you just look bland. You just look blah, like that. So you have to make a choice. Who do you want to be? And keep your eye on the necessary and the expedient. Keep your eye on the necessary and the expedient. Do not make yourself a judge over a court that you have not been invited to. You will be laughed at in the realm of the spirit. Do you understand what I'm talking about? All right. So, um, one of the things, number one thing, because we have to go in 20 minutes. Number one thing that um, by the way in which Auntie JJ and Uncle Ahab affected the economy of, um, of Israel at the time was that they worshipped Baal and they engaged in idolatry. So Jezebel was a devout worshipper of Baal. Baal was a, or is a Canaanite god. You know, and he, she introduced and promoted idolatry in Israel. Excuse me. And this led to the decline in the worship of the true God. And it also led to the adoption of pagan processes and practices, rather. So as a result of she introducing Baal to Israel, resources were diverted to the construction and the maintenance of these idolatrous altars and temples, which hindered the economic growth. Do you understand what I'm saying? So what she did was that, and you have to understand that the God that the people worship has a way of affecting the economy of the land. So when the money and the resources of the land is being channeled onto building altars, systems, industries, um, infrastructure that celebrate and promote the demonic gods, automatically you cut you cut the, the, the nation from the resource of God himself, from the resource of the God of the heaven, because you are raising up um, what I'll call another set of Tower of Babels that actually are open places and open gates for the demonic to enter the land. So what Jezebel was doing was diverting the resources of Israel to the construction of worship sites and pagan places. So what it did was that it then began to affect Israel to the point where a man like Elijah partnered with God and released the famine over the land. So you need to understand that bow worship and idolatry worship can lead to a decline of the economic life of a place. 
So look at people like Aaron. We talked about Aaron and look at what he did and how it released the wrath of God over the children of Israel. Um, you can look for my, I, I don't know where it is. I think Kachi will tell us um, overcoming the, uh, the altars of Baal, I think is the name of the teaching you know, or destroying the altars of Baal, something like that. Find it on YouTube or if it is not made public yet, I'm going to ask him to make it public. I'm not sure, but look for the entire teaching. Um, so number two, the trade relations that were going on in the time of um, Ahab and Jezebel. So Ahab engaged in alliances and trade partnerships with neighboring nations. So some of the nations that he engaged with was Phoenicia and Tyre. Tyre. T-Y-R-E, that nation. Uh -huh. So he engaged in trade with them. So while this was, um, um, it, I mean, initially brought economic benefits to the land, but in the trade, foreign gods and foreign partnerships were introduced into the land. So this was, this further contributed to the spiritual and moral decline of the nation. So it affected the, the ecosystem of the nation. Now, take it down a bit. So um, exposing and overcoming modern day worship of Baal. Thank you, Nora. That's what it, that's the name of the sermon. Exposing and overcoming mo modern day worship of Baal. If I, one of my friends and I were jo joking last night at about 11.30 a.m., she was sending me um little, um, is it like wisdom keys or quotes from, a sermon that I preached and she was sending me different, different things, different. And she was like, man, P.I., will they hear yourself? Do you, do you hear the things you say? So she sends me one, one quote like this, one paragraph. Even me that I read it, I said, blood of, I said, my God, this is so powerful. She said, but now you talk I'm now. I said, my goodness. I said, man, I didn't preach. She said, my sister, you didn't preach. <laughs> it was so funny. You know, we're hyping ourselves. She was like, man, you do, I, I, you do, I said, I said, I can't even count the amount of sermons I have taught this year or the amount of series, you know, and is he overcoming the system of the serpent and the scorpion or the rise of an apostolic generation, exposing and overcoming the altars of Baal, you know? So if I, one of my ministry friends has said that, please, Pierre, the titles of your sermon, can you try? That is not, it's somehow, you understand? Don't be saying serpent, eh, eh, dragon, you know. Don't be saying things like that again. I said, I said, it is what it is. We have to call it what it is. The serpent is real. The dragon is real. And the reason protecting this generation, everybody is weak and cannot do warfare. You understand? So, uh, yeah. Anyway, so the trade relations, which is number two, that Ahab and Jezebel engaged in trade relations. For example, look at the Nigerian industry now. I have a series on the table. Look for the table. I have an entire series on the table. Um, and I teach about trading on different tables. I teach about engaging different tables. I teach, I taught about discerning the table upon which you are dining you know, maximizing your tables. You know, I have an entire series on the table. And why am I saying it? It's because uh, many times when we are trading, we actually don't know what we're actually trading. 
You know, so many times you think you are trading for profit, trading money, but some people are trading their destinies. So um, here is, uh, you know, what's her name? Leah says to Rachel, uh, Rachel says, and give me some of your child's um, fruits now that your child went to get. She's like, well, I'm going to give you fruit if you're going to give me a ninth with your boo. And Rachel is like, okay, uh, is it not just one ninth? Please, you can go and sleep with him. Just give me fruit. And she collected fruit. And Leah collected fruit of the womb. You understand? So here's Auntie Rachel thinking, ah, me that have not been able to give birth since. Look at the way one night she just slept with my husband and she's carried a child. Yes, Auntie, you collected fruit. She has collected fruit of the womb. So same thing, um, what's his name? Esau is like, ah, ah, I'm hungry. Give me porridge. He's like, I collect porridge. Give me your blessing. So sometimes we think we're actually profiting. You know, you have negotiated some things but you are losing out of a greater thing in destiny. Sometimes you are trading with anger and thinking, eh, hey, I'm going to show them me. I don't take nonsense. I'm going to say my mind. Whilst you are saying your mind, the mind of Satan is being released into your home. So you need to understand what you are actually trading. You know, it's very, very important. So at this time, Ahab was trading with Phoenicia and Tara, which were... um nations that worshipped strange gods so while he, he was doing it the economy initially was prospering but what was happening was that the people were having spiritual and moral decline and it eventually led to the decline of the nation so as you're possessing your priesthood in order to possess economies this is part of the responsibility of your priesthood to not have a priesthood a demonic priesthood like Jezebel neither should you have a compromised priesthood like Ahab because in the, the, the demonic the combination of the demonic and the compromise can actually lead to the destruction of nations now the third thing about um, this Jezebelic priesthood and the combination with Ahab's compromise how it also affected the economy was that the third thing was that there was a lot of economic exploitation so because Ahab and Jezebel, because of the nature of their hearts and what Jezebel's demonic priesthood accommodated, they were able to pursue personal gain and wealth at the expense of the people. So Ahab converted and seized Naboth's vineyard, displaying his abuse of power and disregard for the rights of people. You know, such corruption and injustice, you know, eroded the trust of um, God for Ahab, and it hindered economic development in the land. You see what I'm saying? So part of what happened, when you have a compromised priesthood and a compromised king, you are bound to have economic exploitation, and it will eventually lead to the hindering of the development of that economy. So if you are going to possess economic gates, part of the things you will say to yourself is, even when I see the possibility of making profit, I will not touch it. As far as it is not part of God's will for how things should be collected, I will not touch it because it will eventually affect the land. Do you get what I'm saying? Now, the fourth thing is drought and farming. Drought and farming was another thing that happened to the land. So Elijah confronted Jezebel and Abraham and pronounced a severe drought upon the land as a consequence of their wickedness. So the drought and the subsequent farming affected agricultural production. It caused scarcity and it led to economic hardship. 
It affected the agricultural production, it caused scarcity, and it led to economic hardship. So how did drought and famine hit the people? Simply because of what a satanic priestess over the land did, and it affected the kingship, and then it provoked the true prophetic to pronounce that drought over the land. So at the end of the day, you begin to realize that the priesthood affects the economy and the ecosystem of the nation. So you could do that since and you didn't do it. Why have you been stressing yourself? You just did it. Well done. So he's not playing, or he's just chilling like this. And he recorded his keys. So I, I help yourself, brother. This is why I said ecosystem, systemization, management of resources. You've not been listening. You could systematize these things and you'll be pressing and doing your fingers like this. <laughs> so um, sorry, just joking around with Minister Victor. Um so drought and famine was the fourth thing. The fifth thing that happened was prophets of God are persecuted. You then have an economy where the prophetic cannot raise his head. You then have an economy where prophets um, are no longer legitimized. So Jezebel actively sought to eliminate the prophets of the Lord and to promote the worship of false God. So this suppression of the true prophetic voices deprived the nation of divine guidance and wisdom, negatively impacting decision-making process, including economic matters. So you may say to yourself, it does not matter. It does matter. So where the voice of the prophets is subdued in a land, the nation is bound to enter into a decline. Now, the, 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 the nations that understand it, they don't suppress the voice of the prophets. They don't or, or suppress the voice of the church because they know that the nation, the progress and the greatness of the nation is connected to the greatness of God in the land. So they don't suppress it. Now, the sixth thing, number six, is um, because of that wrong priesthood, there was the lack of God's favor over the nation. So Ahab and Jezebel's reign was characterized by disobedience to God's command and the rejection of God's prophets. So consequently, God withheld his blessings and protection from the nation, resulting in economic instability and also led to vulnerability to external threats. So they had to be quenching fires and war and all of that. Just, Ahab died. The prophet said in the place where the blood leaked, the dogs leaked the blood of Naboth. That is where they will lick the blood of Ahab. That was exactly what happened. So they were exposed to warfares. Why? Because they lacked God's favor. Why did God withdraw his favor from them? Because of their demonic priesthood. So if you're going to possess economic gates, which should lead to the progress of the economies, which should lead to the prosperity of the ecosystem, then God will first check your priesthood. Are you like an Aaron with an ironic kind of priesthood that is erroneous in itself? Or are, and, or are you like Jezebel also with a demonic, satanic kind of priesthood? And you know when you hear demonic, satanic, you are thinking horns. You are thinking, no, 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 no. Satanic priesthood. Jezebel, they have, Jezebel, was, Jezebel was a pretty woman. In fact, she knew how to make her. She was a slay queen, literally. She slayed in beauty. She slayed people physically. She slayed them spiritually. She was the definition of slay queen. You understand what I'm talking about? So 
um, um, her priesthood, if you looked at Jezebel, she didn't look anything like a wicked priest priestess. You get what I'm talking about? So satanic priest, priest, priesthood does not always appear to look bad, but it is in the actions that the person takes, the decision-making, the way you go about things. So when I say, do you have a satanic priesthood? Don't think, ah, no, now me that I go to church. No. How are you building? What are the principles by which you are building? In today's economy, you are still paying a staff 20000 to do what? To do what in Nigeria? What should they do with it? If you have money and you earn a certain amount of salary, even 40000 you should not pay. Do you understand what I'm talking about? If you can afford it and you have the capacity and God has prospered you, prosper your people. Whenever I get an increase in life, everybody around me, I start to increase their salaries. Prosper your people. So you want to ask yourself, what kind, what, how am I building? Does it project the goodness of God? If God was the, was the master and the CEO over this business, how will he meet out profit and gain and life? What would his considerations be for the people, for the growth? How would he make the decision? All of these things matter because if God is not trusting you now with the economy of your home, he will not trust you with the economy of nations. So it is very, very important. So when you consider it overall, the reign of Ahab and Jezebel brought about spiritual, moral, economic decline to Israel. Their promotion of idolatry and the corruption and the exploitation and persecution of God's prophets, all of this contributed to the negative impact on the nation's economy. So now that God is telling us, you will possess economic gates, do not ever forget my sermon. As you grow in life, in every season where God moves you up in the ladder, come back and watch this access series. Come back and listen to everything that I have said. Because you see, this can be the very thing that weakens you, even though you have grown in power, but yet it weakens heaven's backing in your life. Because to him that much is given, much is expected. Whenever God raises you up in life, God begins to expect a lot more from you. You get what I'm talking about? He begins to expect a lot more from you. So you have to make sure that you are constantly going back to the things that feed your spirit and remind you of your priesthood and your responsibilities towards the kingdom of heaven, towards the children of God, towards the earth. Always go back and listen and remind yourself so that you may preserve the borders of your life, so that you may keep the boundaries of your life. I just remember something you know some some people just shuffling back a little bit to honor somebody may say oh my parents don't need my money my dad is a billionaire my mom is a trillionaire and our family we are zillionaires i'm happy for all of you and your billions but i'm telling you there's always something that makes a person feel honorable there's always something that says i'm thinking of you i appreciate you I'm grateful for you. I want to do anything in my power to show it. There's always something. So find it. Find the how and make sure you show it to the people that have um, contributed meaningfully to the economy of your own life. And as you do so, may the God before whom we all stand bless you. Reverse curses 
and hexes and spells and broken down hedges in your life. May this God that sees your efforts to strengthen that which is holy and honorable, may this God empower you in the name of the Lord Jesus. And I pray that as the seasons of your life have begun to turn, may you be established in the grace of the new day. May you be established in the power of the new day. May God give your heart courage and give your spirit strength to embrace that which is right and true before him. May God give you the capacity to embrace and to execute his will on earth. I pray that any kind of hand of foolishness or any hand of uh, demonic manipulation over your life, may it break in the name of Jesus. May the strength of morality be with you. May the strength of honor be with you. May the strength of obedience rest with you. I pray that all the days of your life, you'll be able to testify that you have a well-rounded life because of the way you have embraced the, the ways of God, because of the doctrines of truth that you have embraced and received. May your life be one that is honorable. May your days be long because you have sought after truth and you have sought after goodness. May God keep you and may God keep your seed. May your children and your children's children enjoy the benefits of these days where you have labored at the feet of the word of the Lord, where you have labored in prayer, may God honor you. Even as you have sat down to seek for what access means and to understand how to enter and to keep your territories, may God himself grant you grace, grant you strength, grant you power, grant you capacity to be able to master access in the name of Jesus. I pray that you will be great. I pray that you will be as a light to your generation. And when you are remembered, when your days on earth are over, you'll be remembered for good. You'll be remembered for greatness. You'll be remembered for power in the name of the Lord Jesus. God bless and strengthen you. May God enlighten you and may God increase his power in your life. Let the things that confuse you dissipate by the wisdom of God. Let the things that weaken you break off you by reason of your commitment to be rightfully aligned with the Lord. It is a new day. It is a new season. And any voice that pronounces the opposite in your life, I condemn that voice in the name of Jesus. I condemn them by the power of the Holy Spirit. I condemn them in the name of Jesus. And I say to you, that the new day is yours in Jesus' name. The new season is yours in Jesus' name. Every letter that Jezebel has written to the rulers to rise up in accusation against you, I command those letters to be consumed by fire. Every demonic uh, mail that has been dispatched from satanic altars against your life, I command the mail and the, the carrier of the mail, all of them to be consumed by fire. They will not reach their destination. It will not enter into the hearts of people of power to rise up against you. But instead, what will enter their hearts is favor. Every Haman that is standing at the gate of authority, trying to circumvent your blessing and trying to destroy your lineage and the honor of your household. Let those Hamans hang upon the same gallows that they have erected for you. In the name of Jesus, I command a, an opening and an exposing today in the mighty name of Jesus. I declare that the prayers that we are praying are shaking the altars of Baal. I call for the 
the rising of the priesthood that let the priest and the priesthood rise up and overthrow these rebellious spirits. Let them throw her out of her position in the name of Jesus. As you pray, as you fast, as you wait on God, I declare that you have partnership from on high to be able to overthrow the voices of hell and the orchestrations of darkness that have risen up against you. I say to you, O Naboth, that you that you have stood and you have said, I will not give up my vineyard. I will not give up my marriage. I will not give up my children. I will not give up my ministry. I will not give up my business. I will not give up my inheritance. I will not give up my voice. I will not give up my glory. I will not give up my honor. You have stood on the land that God has given to you and you have refused to give it up. I declare over you in the name of the Lord Jesus that the honorable acts you have taken, that they will not be met with disgrace. They will not be met with death. They will not be met with accusation. In the name of Jesus, everyone stirring up strife against you, I declare that let the fire of God visit them today. In the mighty name of Jesus, it is your season of access and so you must access. It is your season of honor, and so you will come into honor in the name of Jesus. Let the voices that rise in opposition to the word of the Lord that we are speaking, let them be brought to naught. Let them be utterly destroyed in the name of the Lord Jesus. I declare over you that this word is for you. It is for your family. It is for your children. It is for your lineage. It is for your future in the name of the Lord Jesus. Today, we stand at the gate of time. We stand at the Kairos moment of the spirit, and we begin to take advantage of the Kairos gate opened unto us to speak into the chronos in our, and to begin to speak into the calendar of life. We speak from Kairos into chronos. We declare that in the name of the Lord Jesus, that October, November, December, 2024, 2025, up to 2030, up to 2090, I say you will favor us. My children will know that there was a covenant that God made with me in access and they will remember it. When my children are 25 and 30, and doors are about to shut to them. They will call on the God of access. They will say, the God that opened gates for my mother, let him be my God. The God that opened doors for my mother, let him be my God. For there is an altar that is raised here and a testimonial of the power of God to break the gates of bars of bronze and shatter the doors of iron. I declare that this God, he is entering into your future days in the mighty name of Jesus. Therefore, let the doors that have been shut to you, the doors in your mind, the doors in your spirit, the doors in your soul, the doors in your heart, let them begin to break open by the power of the Holy Spirit. The God that granted access to the children of Israel and shuts the access to the army of Pharaoh. I declare that every red sea that God parts for you and the enemy is thinking he can chase you through that access and enter. He will not enter the realm of your victory. He will drown. The very thing that gives you access will drown your enemies. In the name of Jesus, those that want to chase you, those that want to overthrow you in the door that God has opened for you, they will die in that door. They will drown in that door. In the name of the Lord Jesus, my God, because you are establishing inheritance, this is not the time when God takes pity on your enemies. The day when a nation is about to be born out of you, is not the day when God takes pity on your enemies. Why? Because it will affect the inheritance of the future. Therefore, in this day, let the ones that rise up as your enemy, let them face the wrath of your God. In the name of the Lord Jesus, I decree and I declare 
that your house establishes is established in the prosperity of God. I speak concerning my spouse. I speak concerning my children. I speak concerning my husband that this is his season of access in the name of the Lord Jesus. For I stand as a gate, as a woman in my house. The Bible says it is not good for the man to be alone. Therefore, every goodness that I carry is a goodness that is extended to his life. I decree and I declare that my labors of the spirit are extended to my household. They are extended to my husband. I declare that even the people that work for me, my driver, my chef, my nanny, my workers in my office, every single person is blessed. It is their season of access in the name of Jesus. But when I rise, I rise with those that surround me. I declare that nobody around me will be broken. Nobody around me will be small in this season. In the name of the Lord Jesus, I disabuse them from smallness. In the mighty name of Jesus, this word of the Lord is chasing my household. God said to Abraham, I will make a covenant with you and to everyone that is with you. So everyone that is with me, in spirit, in mind, in heart, I declare over you that in the name of Jesus, you are partaking of this same access. In the mighty name of Jesus, let this word of the Lord go to war against anything that is troubling your mind and telling you you have no part in this blessing. I say you have a part in this blessing. Huh? In fact, you are present and your presence is part of the blessing. In the name of the Lord Jesus, in this season, the reign of God's access is falling over every part of your life. The reign of God's access is falling over every part of your being. In the name of Jesus, no part of your life can I can, can escape the access of God in the name of the Lord Jesus. Kings will rise up and bless us and they will not know why. Kings will rise up and favor us and they will wonder what it is. Kings will rise up and give unto us assets, goods, lands and blessings and they will not understand why because God is with us. They will say for I perceive that the spirit of God is in this one and because of this one the Lord will bless our nation. They will put you in position Positions because they can tell that there is a God with you. And anytime you are in an office, that place is blessed. I declare that in the name of the Lord Jesus, anyone that was made to be part of your life, that Satan has attacked their mind with malicious thoughts, I break that hold and I break that chain in Jesus' name. That their minds are freed so that they can bless you in the name of the Lord Jesus. Karima Sovelekai. God will carry you and God will carry your family with you so that you will not rise and be dealing with guilt, so that you will not rise and be dealing with fear. God will carry your children with you. God will carry your spouse with you. God will carry your household in blessing. He will bless you and he will bless everyone that is connected to you. In the name of the Lord Jesus, let your homes be filled with the glory of God. Let your cards be filled with the glory of God. You will not die in any accident in this season because even your car 
God carries the glory of God. Your house will not be burnt down in this season because even your gas cooker carries the glory of God. Every part of your life, every part of your being is radiating the glory of God. The word access is to you and to all the creatures in your house. Even your animals will carry the message of access. I say all the creatures was what God said. All of them will carry the covenant of this new day. In the name of the Lord Jesus, I declare to you that power is yours, might is yours, grace is yours, understanding and wisdom belongs to you. In the mighty name of Jesus. Akantome, Sabaroko. We shake the very foundations of our life. We shake them and we say, let the foundations be moved that they may fit right into God's will and they may fit into prophecy and they may fit into this word of access. In the name of Jesus, every demonic foundation that speaks closed doors, we challenge you with the prophecy of access. We say you no longer have a hold over us in the name of Jesus. Jesus, let the gatekeepers and the keeper of satanic covenants that has stayed for so long, let them be consumed by fire. Let the altars, the priests, and the words that they speak, let them all be consumed by fire, except they align with the altar of God. Let them be made nothing in the name of Jesus. We say to our destiny and to our lineage that there is a new gatekeeper and his name is Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. He stands as the gatekeeper over our lives and over our families. And we declare that from today, the testimony of this gatekeeper resounds to our homes in the name of Jesus. So the one that lacks wisdom, May God fill you with wisdom, even as you cry out to him for wisdom. To the one that lacks understanding, may God give you understanding on how you can navigate the circumstances of your life in the name of Jesus. Together we enter. Together we break forth. Together we become by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let it be done. Let it be so. Let it be established in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, celebrate Jesus. Celebrate Jesus. Celebrate Jesus. Remember, he is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is our access. Jesus is our door. Don't ever let a day go by that you don't celebrate Jesus. Don't only use his name to gain access. Worship him. Celebrate him. Your worship is access in itself. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. Celebrate Jesus. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we thank you for access. Jesus, we thank you for revelation every time we gather. Jesus, we thank you for your presence. Jesus, we thank you for your glory. Jesus, we thank you for your power. Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice on the cross. Jesus, we thank you for death, resurrection. Jesus, we thank you for giving us partnership with you and the brotherhood that you have invited us to. Jesus, we bless you, eternal and everlasting King, our hope and our fortress. Jesus, we thank you and we give you all the praise.
Come on, sing to Jesus. Come on, sing in a song. Lift up the name of Jesus. Oh, begin to chant Jesus in worship. Begin to chant Jesus in a song. Shout Jesus. Jesus. Dance around your room. Dance around your house. As you sing and you chant to Jesus. Lift up your voice in a song of worship to the Lord. Oh, we will not leave this altar until we magnify Jesus. Oh, you are my Jesus, my Jesus, we worship. Jesus, we worship. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I can feel the power of God. I can feel the presence of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Kabaye, kabaya, kabaye, kabaya. Kebaba, akamba, soho. It is a blessed day. It is a blessed day of open doors. I'm sure when you go through your days during the season of access, access, there's a calmness in your spirit. I don't know about you, but Throughout the day, there's a calmness on the inside of me. 
I know it's the peace of Jesus. I know it's the peace of Jesus. You know, um, so receive the peace and walk with the peace. You know, um, enter this day knowing that it's a great day. Toy, I bless you in Jesus' name. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. May it indeed open the gate of a new season of blessing over you in Jesus' name. Um, enter this day with the fullness of God and um, uh, maximize the day, you know. Water your day with God's presence as you go through the day. Uh, make sure that you are maximizing it by listening to scriptures and you are listening to the word of the Lord um, as you go through the day. Um, I'm going to be in Ghana next month. I'm going to be at Action Chapel. Uh, Bishop Duncan Williams is having his annual conference and I'm going to be coming to teach on the, the reset. You know, so if you're in Ghana, I'm going to be seeing you. And if you're not in Ghana, I think maybe you should come to Ghana for that conference. You know, I, I know it's going to be powerful. There are so many powerful people that are there. I, I saw yesterday that Paula White is also going to be there. Um, Bishop Joshua Selma. Apostle Joshua Selma is going to be there. Many other powerful people. So Ghana, there's so much that is going on inside you. And guess what? My birthday is on the 1st of December, you know, so uh, that means I'm going to be in Ghana when it's my birthday. Um, so I, I believe that it's also a prophetic mark. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm still distilling that thought in the heart of God and why he is um, sending me to that place of my roots, you know, while why it's my birthday because it's a milestone birthday you know so i believe that um the lord has something in mind and there's a reason and there's a blessing that he wants to provoke over my life and he's sending me there so i don't think there's no such thing as coincidence in the life of a child of god what there is are god organized and god ordained incidences for the purpose of the kingdom so i believe that that's exactly why i'm going to ghana so i'm so grateful to god um for it and um you know if you don't wish me happy birthday you know I, I, on my birthday i will not do access again you know because i don't joke with my birthday <laughs> please it's a joke you know go and put on social media pastor vows to not teach the gospel again if you don't wish happy birthday please i'm joking but I take my birthday very seriously. For me, my birthday is, is bigger than uh, <laughs> which ceremony? Independence Day. <laughs> you say very serious. On my birthday, I'm like a child. Like I'm like a baby. I'll just be happy for no reason. I'll just be laughing. I'll just be smiling. Also, you understand that? The tea used to sweet me. I don't know why. Birthday used to do me like a, you know, and that's the same way I can cry. If somebody just forget the birthday, it will pay me. You pay my birthday. You understand? But it's where? But and this one is it's calling my stone. It's the birthday of Ebenezer. You understand? So um, I'm, I'm really looking. <laughs> As you can tell, I'm looking forward to it. I'm so happy. You know. Uh, yeah. What, what is this announcement about now, Seth? Okay. I'm just to tell you people what my itinerary is. So um, Uganda, being Uganda. Um, on the third and the fourth. So the third is a builder's dinner in Uganda. So it's for captains of industry, people of influence, those that are possessing the gate of the nation. You know, so we're having a builder's dinner themed 
possess the gates so it's going to be open to 150 200 people but i'm not it's not even you know you, you won't see the flyer because it's not open to the public so if you're in uganda it's not open um it's going to be a special guest list you know um to those people so it's powerful and god has really granted us favor in the land up from the office of the you know first family all the way down and you know such great partnership and participation and we're trusting god for um, the things he wants to do in that nation and um, the way he wants to prepare them for the um, unveiling that is about to happen over Uganda. Um, and on Saturday the 4th will be the mantle of Deborah Conference. Um, Saturday the 4th, so I'm looking forward to that. And then after that, I'm going to Kenya to have Deborah School of Influence. So Deborah School of Influence is from the 8th to the 11th of November. So Kenya, head on and register for Deborah School of Influence. I wish they would put up the link and be a little bit more aggressive about getting people on board. So Deborah School of Influence is from the 8th to the 11th. So Kenyans, don't miss it. It's a retreat. You know, we're going away. I can't remember the name of the place. The last time we used something reach. I can't remember, something rich and it was beautiful. So this time we're using another resort, you know, it's going to be beautiful and it's just going to be a time of learning. Um, Prophet Eden will join me, Pastor Bumi, Apostle Angie, Pastor T, Ujugush, uh, Reverend Julian, like they're just, it's going to be like, ah, plenty food to eat. You understand? So make sure you don't miss it. South Africa, we're going to be with you um, February next year. So hello 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 expect great things next year in south africa um then london is the 21st london is the 21st of october deborah school of influence all day training in london it's completely free uh we're going to be feeding you nigeria you have to make yourself ready now people gather just from your mantle of deborah team and tell me pierre we are ready you understand because this is no good though. cannot be staying near water and then soap will be entering your eye so nigeria i want to see your ginger you know tell this mantle pi where's our mantle you understand and make it happen form committee by yourself and call me if i drag hey, hey where's pastor bambi uh, stephanie furnish these people bambi's details <laughs> you know if i drag yasmin is the head of africa yasmin what's happening to nigeria what's going on really you know anyway so uk is 21st calgary i'm ready when you are ready you understand i think i have a conference next year june in a church in vancouver i think so um most likely june when i come we'll have something in calgary then i don't know if i know plenty of people in calgary but <laughs> where the lord leads us to we we'll have our mantle of Deborah uh, in Canada, but uh, London 21st. Yeah, so Nigeria arise. London 21st of October, Deborah School of Influence is coming to you 21st. So get ready, register. Please, Pastor Lola, can you give us a link? Let them register for Deborah School of Influence. I think Pastor Lola is taking just. I'm a hundred people because the space we have in fact we are even looking for space so if you have space in the uk that we can use please let us know 
let this work be easy you understand um, but you're not paying anything for the training it's free well, your tea breaks your food your materials everything we're giving it to you um, so in whatever way you want to support please go ahead and support so we can make that happen um, so but just a hundred people I think we have about 80 now pastor Lola so just 20 more spaces left and don't register if you know you will not be there so you are not taking the space that someone else would have used to come be blessed for a whole day um, the shift course yes I do I have some shift people here you know if you are here and you're going to be in the shift just show me show me show me Pierre we are here we are ready you know yes I see people yes 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 um me I'm ready for you people like I've tied to rapper I say I'm, I'm ready for you the way that this shift is doing me I was having a conversation this morning because I joined another meeting earlier this morning and we we're talking about Uganda so they're like oh they wanted me to minister uh, the possibility of ministering in a meeting and staying longer I said ah if I stay longer we enter Nigeria on Friday at 1 p.m. my shift is starting Friday 6 p.m. I don't know if I can do that too I said even if it's president or whatever I this Nigeria I have to come back that Friday 6 I'm with my people I can't shift this day I said except I stay in Uganda you know throughout the shift but anything that we shift this shift in a way I can't risk it because I know what the Lord has said to me you know and I know how I'm preparing myself so uh, I, I, I want you to get ready and Pastor Stephanie has already uh, she's rallying and she's doing a prayer call she says from next week she's putting all of us that are taking the course like she has hijacked it and she has turned it from being a, a I don't know how to explain it she's turned it into a spiritual drive so how beautiful it is imagine you are going to Harvard and at the same time in Harvard they are making people fast and pray isn't that powerful look at what Jezebel did to pronounce judgment she made the elders fast and pray at first so that she could remove somebody from his position we that want to enter position think about what we need to do so pastor stephanie says she's putting us on a fast for the course from next week i don't know when she said maybe three days before and she's going to be getting us to pray towards course that we paid money for but it's okay i agree with her whatever will make us more effective we do it um so yes get ready and i don't know if we yet have spaces for people um for the course or because what pastor stephanie advised she said pi this is prayer in people please don't tell us 30 spaces give us 50 spaces let's have more people so we opened it up and as of last night i think we had just like four more spaces to go i don't know so if you still want to join the shift course go ahead and register and be part of it don't call me oh, next week uh, Wednesday you not say happy I please now is there any way perhaps maybe in a manner in which don't call me oh, do whatever you need to do on time all right God bless you God bless you we continue later this evening please keep me in your prayers pray for strength pray for grace for me uh, pray for uh, peace goodness kindness provision wisdom wisdom and pray for bandwidth for me um oh the mentorship program is not a course it's a mentorship program that i said is open to only 12. um it's going to be open later this afternoon as soon as it's done pastor stephanie will send a link to the groups 
um, so that if you can, um, I mean, I will in interview the people that register and we're going to pick only 12 people. I'm pick, taking only 12 people and like I said, it's an entire program and I'm hiring staff, you know, to work with me just for the sake of the, the program that will run for seven months. Um, it is no joke. It's going to be very intensive and I need to know that the people can make the commitments to be part of the mentorship program. It's going to cost you, actually. It's not for free. It's an entire program that is costing me a lot, but I believe it's something that needs to be done and that it's meant for certain people. Um, part of the program is that you'll be required to travel at some point next year to meet me in a nation for a one-week um, retreat. And um, part of what you're paying for the course is going to cover your accommodation, feeding, and all of those expenses. You just have to buy your ticket and meet me there. So there are many things like that. You have access to all the courses I'm going to teach. Next year, access to all my materials, meetings. You will get to, if you are free, get to be able to travel with me and join my team where we go to nations and learn directly you know, from me. So there's a lot of that that is going to happen. Um, so I am really pouring myself into this particular program, um, you know, challenging even, you know, the wisdom of God on the inside of me to, to, to step up and, you know, produce more because I believe God is raising um, a new set of leaders um, that he's going to anoint for different sectors. So it's for everybody. It's not just for people in ministry. You may be a ministry leader. You can be a business executive. You may be somebody in government. Um, where, whatever field you are at, it's open. You know, and you just feel like, look, Pia, I need this direct mentorship. I need this thing for several months. It's open. So um, once the link is sent this afternoon, you know, let's see how we go. All right. God bless you. And I will see you later tonight.